Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have a special treat and are talking about a cuisine that's not very easily available in New Zealand, Singaporean food. We talked to Edlina Wong, founder of the home-based takeout Super Shiok Eats. She started her business in the midst of COVID after a year of sending off resumes and being unable to get a job. While with Super Shiok Eats, Edlina is serving up some of the iconic hawker food that Singapore is renowned for. We talked to her about her business, about Singaporean food and all things in between. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi Edlina, how are you? Hi Prozen, thank you for having me. <laughs> ah, thank you for coming. So let's start at the very beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Singapore? Ah, well, that's uh, it's a... You know, it requires a pretty long response, but I mean, if memory serves me right, um, actually growing up in Singapore back in the 80s wasn't as bad as the media makes it out to be now. Like Mm. now the kids are easily stressed, so many demands. But um, back then, I felt that there was a very healthy mix of play and working hard. So Mm. even if there were tests and exams, which is very synonymous to being a Singaporean student, but you know, it's like that's that's life. You know, we just get on with it. Yeah. So, um, in fact, uh, I felt that because of my mixed heritage, so I'm well. If I have to break it down, I'm one third Chinese, one third Malay, and one third Indonesian. So, um, well, so you're like you're representing the entire Singapore demographic. Uh, if you were just a little bit more Tamil as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. If I have the other quarter, then maybe. Yeah. But uh, interestingly, because a lot of my relatives are also based in Malaysia, so I spend quite a big chunk of my holidays and some weekends, mm. you know, in Malaysia and in, in, in the villages, which we call kampong. Mm. So, um, you know, I've had fun, like, you know, running around in the plantations, in the kelongs with my friends. So kelongs are basically those wooden houses that sits on the water. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, mm. you know, as you know, like, long time ago, Mal- the Malay archipelago was made of folks, native folks called Orang Laut. So they are actually fishermen. Mm. So, I mean, I suppose if I track my genealogy, maybe my great-great-great-grand-uncle was a fisherman, but that was where they stayed, like mm. on houses, on stilts above water. So, yeah, so a, a bulk of my childhood was really a lot of play, a lot of make-believe, um, you know, going in and out of Malaysia. So, um, I would say I was quite privileged, you know, being able to be in a city like Singapore and yet still experience the ruralness of Malaysia. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Singapore and Malaysia are connected by this one kilometer long bridge called yeah. the Causeway, as you know. So getting in and out is like it's a quite a cinch. Yeah. So I think that pretty much I think that's up. a cool part about Singapore because my so my dad lives in Singapore and I've been there a few times yeah. and yeah it's just um, he'll be like oh yeah we're just off to Malaysia for the weekend and yeah. like you just kind of don't realise how close yeah. how close by it is exactly exactly I mean well as you know Singapore became what it is today is because it is a major 
uh, entrepot and, and the whole shipping mm. route. So, which means that it is right smack in the center of Southeast Asia. You know, going up to Asia is easy. Coming down to Indonesia is mm. an hour's flight away. So, I think, I think from what I gather from friends, I mean Kiwis who have lived in Singapore, that's what they like about Singapore. It makes it easy to travel around the region. Yep. Yeah, and I mean Singapore is so small. It's yep. the size of Lake Taupo. <laughs> so, I mean, Singaporeans need to get out. So it's great that, you know, we are positioned that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you have any, like, favourite food memories from growing up that you could share? Um, yeah. So back to the whole being able to, you know, visit my relatives in Malaysia. So a lot of my food memories is, to be honest, very um, Malay. That mm. is the Malay side of my family. So I grew up eating a lot of sambal. Um, yeah, like like all, all your all your rice and your spicy stuff. And I grew up, you know, um, watching my uncles and aunties outside, like huddling over big pots, you know, which which they call periyoks mm. in Malay. Like stirring like huge pots of rice and curries and, and dodos, which is like um, a sticky kind of pudding. Uh, like kind of like a taffy. Mm. Once it's cooled, you can like eat it like a snack. Okay. So that was what I remembered. And when they have huge like weddings and you know traditional events, like yeah, we are all hidden under gazebos. You know, everyone do our part. You know, I'll be helping, uh, cu- cutting up like vegetables and washing and everything. So, um, that is like my Malay aspect of um my food memory but you know back home closer to home my food memory has a lot to do with my grandma so my dad's mom mm. uh, whom I call Ama so as a as a young child I loved going to the markets but I was not repulsed by the smell of fish or anything but the thing is that you know I, I would strike a deal with my grandma over weekends like okay why don't you let me sleep in you go and get your fish and whatever when it's 9am you wait for me at this certain spot that we always agree to meet because there was no phones no pages last time (laughs) like you have to appear so um, yeah wait for me and we will have breakfast together so breakfast was like soybean Mm. milk um, and tau hui which is actually the soybean pudding curd itself which I miss uh, one of the stuff that I miss um, because over here, you can get those stuff at the dim sum place, but it's just not the silky, smooth, like, put it in your mouth and you just need to swallow it. Mm. Like, the consistency here is a bit different. It's a bit rough on the edges. Okay. So that's what I miss. Um, and then, like, economical bihun, which is actually one of the things that I replicated in my menu because I, I ate it almost every weekend with my grandma. Um, so economical bihun is basically stir fried rice vermicelli and soy sauce and then you know you pick and mix whatever fried stuff you have it's all fried mm. <laughs> but it's so what's good what's not to love about fried yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so good mm. and you know like a plate with heaps of stuff is like 250 mm. it's like it's unimaginable wow. I mean that was when I was a kid like now maybe it's 350 4 dollars like come on but where years. can you get yeah still today get a plate of food yeah. which is filling um, for like $3.50 <laughs> exactly so I mean recently I did go back to the soy milk stall and you know you actually see those aunties and uncles like the same their brothers and sisters their siblings that particular stall and they're like they, you can tell they aged mm. but 
like it just reminded you of like oh my god they are exactly the same people <laughs> yeah and you know and you look at their hands like all like their nails are all like damaged by water because they handle so much liquids yeah but you know they are still there after 20 30 years mm. selling just one SKU which yeah. is your soy milk or your <laughs> soybean pudding yeah and they're there I mean but that's also kind of why um, it tastes as good, right? Because it's just that years and years of making the yes. same thing and Correct. having that expertise in that one thing. Yeah. And in today's world, that's kind of looked down upon. Mm. We're like, oh, you need variety, you need a big menu. But um, you don't get that kind of, you know, technical expertise if you're like doing so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. I mean, it's it's like um, what they say, like you put in your... 10,000 hours to yeah. be an expert. I mean, I, I mean, these guys are putting in hundreds of thousands of hours. So, yeah. and, and the thing is that, you know, back then I was buying a glass of soybean milk for like 30 cents. Mm. Recently I went back, it's like 50 cents. I'm like, <laughs> after 20 years with inflation and yeah. rent increase, surely yeah. it should cost a lot more than that. But I mean, I don't know how these guys do it. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I love about, um, so obviously I grew up in India mm. and um, I, I have similar memories. So my granddad was very uh, specific, like you always had to get, uh, you know, like, wafers or what we call chips now mm. but you know that back then you couldn't get them in the packets so yep. you had to go and they would fry the wafers fresh at kind of about three four o'clock right. and i'd go with my granddad after school at like five thirty to get some wafers to have with chips and so you always had to go to that one stall which made the wafers and then you go to that particular place to get the watermelon juice and always to that place to get the fish and it's kind of special in its way because it um you build up those relationships yeah. with those people and like you said I went back to um, India a few years ago and went to the watermelon juice guy and it's like the same, same guy, guy there still <laughs> doing watermelon juice and yeah. that's like the only thing yeah. he's been doing for like 60 years yeah. but that's amazing yeah I'm sure they can do it like sleeping sleep. with eyes shut and everything like I know no and I'm like here I'm like what maybe six months in my business I'm like I'm bored making the same thing <laughs> that's yeah. true um, I mean, for me, like I was telling you, my dad grew up in, uh, I mean, my dad lives in Singapore now. Mm. So I've been there a few times and my favorite things to eat were always like the Hainanese uh, chicken rice mm -hmm. and then those curry puffs. Mm -hmm. And you get the curry puffs like pretty much at all the petrol stations, but yes. then you get, and they all taste, but all of them have like a really kind of slightly different taste. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, I think, I mean, Indians have a similar, like, patties or, yeah, or what we do, or samosas. Yeah, yeah. So it's a similar concept. Yes, but yes. um, I mean, the interesting thing about food now, like, thanks to, like, Netflix and social media, you know, you read all these articles about the origins of food. Like, I mean, what has it that, you know, the Singapore curry puff has mm. its influences from India, your samosas. Yeah. I mean, even, like, the Portuguese empadas. Yeah. So, I mean, mainly because Singapore is, after all, a... To be honest, an immigrant nation yeah. back then, like the only native people were the Orang Laots, which was part of current-day Malaysia. But all our ancestors are from India, mm. China. I mean, some of them have even relationships with the Portuguese, the Dutch, because they are colonial. Um, they they are, were our colonial masters. So, I mean, you can't. That's the thing I struggle with, like, you know, sometimes when I, you know, script my word on, on, on my Facebook post, I can't, I can't outrightly say. I'm not confident as well because, you know, I, I, history is, there's so much, I mean, how much can you know, right? So, like, I try but not to, like, 
stick a claim I was like oh this is whatever unless I'm like 95% sure about it but at the end of the day the great thing is what I learned is that in Singapore it's really like everybody pitching in to mm. give you like the best kind of dish you can ever produce yeah yeah. so I mean it's always like the great foods now we learn has always got to do with like I mean it started with like oh for example bakute uh, which is the Chinese pork rib soup uh, apparently it started because you know back then the laborers from China they just want to have a quick meal that is like still like heartwarming and comforting so that's how it came together I mean uh, Hainanese chicken chop which is like our ch- Singapore brand of western food it mm. came about because these Chinese laborers were brought in by the British and then they worked on their ships they, I mean they were working for them as servants so then they picked up all these skills on, on how to cook western fare with local ingredients and that's how they produce Hainanese western food so it's it's like I mean we all it's the great thing is all food has humble beginnings yeah yeah definitely. I mean it's it's just that. I think and um, when it comes to so noodles, um, the funny story is so in India if you go and yeah. um, you'll get Hakka noodles everywhere. Mm. Um, and when I lived in India for like 10, I mean growing up there, I just always thought that's what Chinese food was, right? And then you come to like Singapore even or come to, I mean I won't even talk about the Chinese food in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> but. And I was like, ugh, like there's no spice in this, there's no that. Because, yeah. I mean, Hakka noodles has evolved and yeah. now there's a word for that cuisine. It's called like Chindian, which is like Chinese and Indian. Indian. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a very specific, like, uh, and it's nothing like any kind of Chinese food you get. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 that springs to my Singapore noodles, yeah. which I see everywhere mm. but not in Singapore I've never had <laughs> that's like butter chicken <laughs> yeah I've never had Singapore noodles in Singapore so yeah I mean it's just like general soul kitchen in America right like you yeah. cannot find that kind of chicken anywhere else of America so yeah. that is funny so tell us a little bit more about Singaporean food because mm. I find that quite unique like mm. you were talking about the you know like obviously you already mentioned it's got the Indonesian it's got a little bit of the mm. Uh, Tamil, it's got a bit of the Malaysian. Yeah. What are like some of the key characteristics? Like if someone wanted to make a Singaporean dish, mm. how do you, I don't know, how do you make that? <laughs> I would say, I mean, back to previously, you know, like trying to stake claim in any dish and call it Singaporean. I, I wouldn't venture as far as to saying there's no Singaporean dish. There are, um, you know, like things like, you know, the Hainanese chicken rice obviously by the Hainanese who are actually like nomadic folks from the southern part of China so um, yeah I mean like for me the the non-disputable kind of like Singapore dish like that really started there was like Hainanese chicken rice the Singapore chili crab and I would say certain uh, straight spawn Chinese Peranakan foods like I mean I haven't been to like specifically places in Malaysia for instance to to seek out Pranakan food although like obviously if you go to Malacca and Penang which is mm. where the straight settlements were back then then yes there are the your Pranakan food but I think those that are in Singapore they are some, they are quite different they have their own spin to it mm. um, so 
That is a very challenging question to answer. <laughs> like, I was, and so what did you grow up eating at home, though? Was it mainly um, the kind of more Malaysian cuisine that you had, or was it just your own family spin on... Um, um, okay, because of like my heritage, like my father's side of the family, they are Pranakan. So my great grandparents were actually from uh, Penang and Malacca. They came, they came right. down to Johor, and that's where it's closer to home. Um, so, so funnily enough, although my grandma is Chinese Pranakan, I have never spoken a word of Chinese, so it's always Malay. Okay. Yeah. So she has that uh, heavier Malay influence, maybe mm. because a lot. I mean, she was born in Malaysia back then. You know, before the separation um, happened between Singapore and Malaysia, there was like a critical period. I believe, like, okay, whoever wants to enter Singapore, better do it now because once it's separated, it's like. Mm. So a lot of my relatives, like my grandma's brothers and sisters, a lot of them are still in Malaysia. Like she was the only one who came out because she married a Singapore man, which is my grandfather. So, I mean. It really depends. Yeah. Um, so even though she's Chinese Pranakan, like her brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, like in terms of their cultural inclinations, the way they talk, you wouldn't think that they're Chinese. Like you would think that they are like Malay, Malaysians. Okay. Know? So, it's, so I, I think at the end of the day, it's like what you identify with. It's not your skin color. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah, habits, everyday thing. Yep. So uh, when I was a kid, like any other child, I was a picky eater. Like I come back from school, all I want to eat is white rice <laughs> with soy sauce <laughs> and deep fried chicken. Oh, nice. Like, that's like, <laughs> give it to me three times a day, I'm fine. Or otherwise, uh, it's Maggie noodles, believe it or not. Yeah. So I was a very skinny, bony girl last time, modern Mal- undernutrition, n- mm. malnutrition, basically. So, um, yeah, a lot of it was like my grandma's spin to things. It's a mix of Chinese and Malay mm. and s- stuff. So, um, yeah, I think cool. And what about, um, I mean, one of the things I find unique about Singapore and its food is the hawker food. I mean, mm. we kind of spoke about that already. But I feel it's kind of almost different to like, street food that you'd get in other Asian countries like mm-hmm. India or something because that's more like it's literally on the street, on the street. and um, sometimes the hygiene's a bit questionable mm-hmm. um, but with Singapore they've kind of really kind of taken that and made it kind of like part of their culture mm-hmm. and like protected those hawker places mm-hmm. um, I mean I was reading about how on your Facebook page actually about how the Singapore hawker food uh, got that UNESCO recognition. Yes. Um, and that's amazing. Yeah. Because that's like, it's become part of like the Singapore culture. Yeah. But um, yeah, do you have any kind of memories from that? I think, I mean, the fact that we, our hawker, hawk, our hawkers are sanitized is because that is, I mean, that is what but that's, Singapore... But you'd only expect that in Singapore, Yeah, right? I mean, that is what Singapore is, you know. Yeah. Oh, anything dirty, just clean it up. <laughs> Rubbish on the floor, you get fined if you don't pick it up. So it is um, It is really administratively that yeah. was the reason, like, yeah. you know, to prevent people from getting sick. Uh, you cannot afford that. We are a small city. If there's a disease outbreak, it's disastrous. Mm. So that was administratively what the government was doing, like, mm. haul all these people together, put them in one place so that mm. if anything happens, you can track them. Okay. Yeah. So we we did start with street vendors back then yeah. in the 
60s, 50s. You, you, when you look at the National Archives, you have people sitting down on stools by the roadside eating their noodles. Mm. So it was the scene last time. But, you know, the government had a campaign, clean it up, put everyone in one place so you can track them, mm. so to speak. So that was how Hawker Centre started. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back, it is a blessing in disguise, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, everything is one place. You are yeah. like spot for choice. You walk into Maxwell Food Centre, you're like, what can I eat today? You know, and it's yeah. it's really nice because, um, so don't tell my dad this okay. because he's always like, um, like he's a very kind of strict person. So he loves Singapore is a good place for him because you know it's all the rules and so he loves it. Yeah. Um, and um, I like New Zealand more because it's still clean but it's a little more organic. Free. It's just like it's a little more relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love in Singapore how like. You know, when they plan out a new neighborhood, it's like, right, this place must have a market, it must have this, and it must have its own little hawker center so that you don't then get, um, you know, and it's kind of like that forward planning that (laughs) it needs restaurants, but it also needs a hawker center because otherwise these people are going to come out onto the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know... It started with Lee Kuan Yew, right? Like, he has a vision for tomorrow. That's one of our iconic songs. So, everything is really planned out. And I think the fact that, you know, they want, like, every satellite town. So, pretend, I don't know, like, oh, okay, so New Market has, has its shopping centre, has its hawker centre, everything in one. So, usually, the, the habits of Singaporeans is that, you know, on weekends, we try not to... You know, go back to the CBD or the city area where we work. Yeah. So we actually retreat into our little suburbs. So if your suburb is contained and ev- it has everything, mm. I mean, come on, like one of my favorite shopping centers near my house, it has everything. It has Zara, Mango, Uniqlo, huge hypermarts, a movie theater. You know, you mm. don't really have to go downtown. Yep. You yep. know, even though it's three stops away from downtown, but I guess. Yeah, it's just a mental thing, right? Yeah. And, but I, I, yeah, I just love it. Like, and and it's, you wouldn't even call it a kind of like it's not a low quality mall. It's like it's, it's no, it's like a proper mall. It is a proper got, mall. It's all things. It is things, like yeah. Westfield on steroids. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Westfield is nothing, Westfield. man. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. my dad lived in I think uh, Woodlands. That's where he stays. Ah, okay, okay. Um, and yeah, so they have like. So just when you go to catch the train and there's like the mall yeah. uh, just right next to it. Yeah. And then I always just, and then he'd like call me and be like, right, so where did you go today? Yeah. I'm like, actually, I just went to like Woodland Station and then I just went to the mall there exactly. and I spent the day there. I, yeah, I sometimes you don't even need to get to the mall. Like on your way to the station, you have to get through the underground tunnels. Oh, yeah. And that's They're got its own shopping. with shops. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite insane. But I mean, that's how we uh, maximize our space. Yeah. Like, we have built up. Mm. Now we are building underground. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. That's just Singapore. Cool. <laughs> so um, tell us, when, when did you move to New Zealand? Well, I'm actually a newbie. Okay. Um, I've just been here just over two years. So okay. We moved here in 2018 August. Mm. Um, so uh, that's why I mean, when people found out that. I, just got here two years they were surprised because oh my gosh you only got here for two years and you're doing this yeah and I'm like I mean um, I'm not sure if you require like decades of living in a country to start something but I think it has more to do with my personality I mean I've been working in a corporate world for like 15 years and suddenly I'm told okay Adlina 
be a stay home stay at home mom, which is great. <laughs> but you know, like you need that mental stimulation, right? Yes, I mean you need to do something for you. You, yeah. yeah, because eventually when your kids grow up and you don't need mommy anymore, you're like, what am I going to do in my life? And it might be a bit too late because you're older. You know, you have a inertia to start something. So I mean. On top of that, couple of the fact that I actually was inspired by the food trucks when I came to New Zealand seven years ago in Wellington. Okay. There was like a night night event thing, and there were a lot of food trucks. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is cool!" You know, I mean, um, because at that time Singapore didn't have like a food truck concept. It does yep. now. Two years ago, three years ago, somebody um, basically opened up like a space, and there were like multiple food trucks and containers and all that. Um, kind of concept, but yeah, I was really inspired by that and the fact that you know, hey, you can drive this truck anywhere you want and you know work anytime you want, how many hours you want, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I that thing kind of stayed with me, and even I came back two, three times later on back to New Zealand. It's still like I still have that like unfulfilled wish, like man, I need. I need to do this one day, and I, I felt that I couldn't do it in Singapore for a few reasons. One of it is it's very prohibitive in terms of costs in mm. Singapore. Like I don't know, maybe you have to have a huge backing, or you really have a huge amount of capital to start it. And on top of that, regulations are very very strict in Singapore. So um, and I think in Singapore there is also like a stigma in a sense like hey if you have back then at least like okay if you if you identify yourself as an engineer and then suddenly you tell someone like oh I want to do an apprentice with a hawker you know people like what are you doing yeah why <laughs> yeah. and like if you come from a good family yeah. then why would you like yeah because like, it was I mean people did food businesses to get out of I mean your parents did it to get out of poverty correct um, and that was a similar thing so yeah. I I know that I wanted to study hospitality and I've kind of felt that like at, when I was 12 13 yeah. and that's why we moved to New Zealand mm. because in India one there was no hospitality courses and you became a cook mm. um I mean, you know, one is only men became cooks. Women didn't really become cooks. And then why would you do that? Like, I mean, when you could be a doctor or an engineer. So that's a lot. It's very much of that Asian mindset as well. Exactly. I mean, like, uh, I mean, with the recent uh, win um, from UNESCO, like this whole point of how a whole generation of hawkers brought up a whole generation of like your CEOs and your educated bunch of Mm. civil servants you know why why then you know as a parent like I've slogged so hard for you why do you want to do exactly what I'm doing you yeah. know it's, this is tough life you know I've done all this to give you a better life why do you want to do what I do but to be honest in the last three years at least I've seen news coming out there are a lot of young professionals like hey enough of this corporate rubbish and mm. they are opening up hawker, hawker stalls yep. uh, on their own on on volition so I mean it is great news because a lot of these hawkers are old and ailing and with no successes precisely because they have I mean it's kind of like you're sabotaging yourself right precisely because you have brought up children to go to uni get a proper job why would they want to succeed your store why would they want to take over your store yeah so it's tough and um, I mean it's interesting so 
in Mumbai, we have these uh, Parsi-Irani cafes, mm. um, and they were started mainly by the Irani migrants. So those are like my ancestors. Um, and, you know, they may be like 80 years old, 90 years old. And they originally started because these migrants came. They didn't have any way of making money. So 20, 30 families pulled together, mm. opened up a cafe. And then over time, you know, the families bought each other out or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they've become these iconic places to eat in right. Mumbai. Right. And now the sad thing is that... Um, their family members don't want to take it over. And now they may shut down after like 100, 120 years of being in operation and yeah. being such a like a, you know, something that is mm-hmm. covered in the Lonely Magazine yeah. and it's covered everywhere and people are seeking it out and yeah. now they can't find it. Yeah. So it's kind of got both the sides, right? Like, yes, yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it is, it is quite sad. Like, I mean, it, it kind of like brings home the point like now that I'm a parent. Yeah. What I mean, what should I tell my children? Yeah. Like, you know, should I leave a legacy for them? And if I do, in, in terms of this whole food thing, would they take over from me? Yeah. Would I love for them to take over from me? Or would I want them to do whatever they want? So, yeah, it is a struggle. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, Um, sorry, we've gone into philosophy versus <laughs> yeah, Singapore, I know. culture and Parenting. history. But um, <laughs> let's talk about you. So um, how, how did you find your way into catering? You obviously spoke about you seeing these food trucks yeah. and being inspired to yeah. kind of have, have your own. Mm-hmm. But so is that why you moved to New Zealand to have the food truck? Yes. Okay. That is still very much a dream. Mm. Um, And we are, I mean, I am saving really hard for it. Okay. Uh, Maybe not a truck. Maybe I'll start with a trailer or a van or something. Maybe I might even get like a motorbike license and, you know, like soup, like get a souped up Vespa Piaggio, like a moving noodle. That sounds (laughs) (laughs) Like they do in like Thailand and Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, of course. very often, right? But anyway, so, uh, well, that's definitely a dream. Um, still on track I feel uh, mm. on achieving so uh, that that aside I came here really you know wanting the kid to have uh, the kids to have a less stressful life in terms yeah. of like you know hey kids not it's not about doing homework uh, taking exams your whole life you know don't be like mommy yeah. I mean I survived it but I'm not sure if you can yeah. so uh, that is one of the reasons and the other reason is really yeah I felt that I couldn't do what I want to do back in Singapore. I mean, number one, obviously, there is is saturated. Hmm. You know, I mean, how do I how do I compete with all these uncles and aunties with thirty years of cooking chicken rice? Yeah. You know, I grew up with that chicken rice. How do I compete with them? You know, um, but the thing in in New Zealand, like cor- you correctly pointed out, there is a gap. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah, I see a lot of Malaysian restaurants and Singapore slash Malaysian restaurants. I think it probably has to do with the fact that uh, you can't find a lot of Singaporeans here. Um, I mean, I was in, in this uh, Facebook group, Singaporeans Living in New Zealand, and they're like, I don't know, a couple of hundred of us only. Oh, maybe okay. those who joined, yeah. I mean, give or take, maybe another f- couple of hundred. So mm. there are not as many of us compared to Malaysians or Indonesians yeah. or your Thais. Yeah. So I think it has a bit to do with that. And I think um, a majority of them actually moved here like in the 80s. So maybe, I don't know, this, 
I, I mean, I spoke to a few of them and, and they also came for a better life for their children. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if, you know, at that time, you know, coming here to, to cook Singapore food was a priority. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for me, I mean, it, it also has to do with the fact I love cooking to begin with, but it's just that in Singapore when I was working, you know, nine to five, I rarely have time to cook. Yeah. And also Singapore's food is so cheap. There's really no point in cooking. Yeah, just exactly. I mean, if you're saying it's like $3.50, <laughs> yeah. why would you bother cooking? Correct. Because the cost of ingredients and firing up your stove and all the water you use is easily more mm. than that. And it's just me and my husband and a little child. Like, why would I bother cooking? I'll just yeah. walk downstairs to the coffee shop, buy a pack of chicken rice, follow that's it. Done. Yeah. So, um, but that's it. The, the cooking experience I had was a lot of like for parties, special events like Hari Raya, you know, or Chinese New Year. So, um, I guess I've always felt that, you know, I I also came from a lineage of like very talented um, female cooks. Like my aunties in Malaysia, actually they open little stalls as well or, or this, like they make curry puffs at home and, you know, they, they, they sell it to their neighbours and community. So, uh, in fact, many years ago, I did try to persuade my mom to start a stall but she's like do you know how hard work starting a stall is like I didn't know I mean you were a teenager right but I was just like so eager to get my mom's delicious cooking out and let people Mm. know but now that I'm doing it Mm. like I had huge respect for hawkers before but now even more so it's really really not easy and the fact that they are like charging pittance yeah, for that amount of work, like I don't know how they do it for yeah. 20, 30 years. And I think the biggest challenge of a food business is that your inventory like expires, right? Like it only tastes good exactly. the day you cook it. Exactly. Um, I mean, in, back in Singapore when we were teenagers, uh, um, we the the girls specifically were told to take this class called home economics. <laughs> I'm not sure if you have it back in India. So home economics, but. Funny thing is like, you know, they teach you how to sew, they teach you how to cook different dishes. But I feel that now that I'm a mom and I have this business, home economics is really like planning your menu, yeah. like how much it costs, your budget, and whether, you know, like how long this ingredient will last you. So that should have been taught. Not teaching me how to sew. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? That is true though. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. why it's called economics, right? But yeah. Anyway, well, obviously in Singapore, we study something for the sake of getting good grades. So whatever, it's not like for practical purpose. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that because so my stepbrothers, uh, obviously he lives there and I think he just finished his... um, the big year uh, maybe like all levels yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's got his break now before he goes off for the army service ah. and um, I call, spoke to him the other day and he's like yeah I'm doing this like uh, tech class like coding class and I'm like you just like studied for your O levels like literally every time I called him the whole he's year studying. he was like I was studying studying <laughs> studying yeah. and I'm like now you've got three months and why are you like doing another class again um, but yeah it's, it's that culture of um, it is and which is why I also moved to New Zealand as well because yeah. um I mean, I guess maybe over here, a lot of people complain about people are too lax and the education's too lax. But having come from that environment, you want your kids to just be kids yeah. and be able to mm. just enjoy their childhood as well. Correct. Yeah. I, mean, I was just telling a few of my mum friends, it's like over here, um, I mean, if you give your kids just an extra boost, like just, I don't know, 
like a one day a week math class and your child will be like top of the class already yeah in singapore you can go for tuition every day hours on weekends spend on whatever class so you are still like average yeah so you know it's like the playing field is just <laughs> like i don't know i don't know what's a playing field it's just beyond so yeah. um yeah, so I mean, same goes for everything. I mean, in terms of work, in terms of our lifestyle, I mean, in terms of like, you know, this food business is like... New Zealand, fortunately, for my case, now that I'm starting a food business, it's still in its infancy, yeah. I feel. It's still not as sophisticated. There are a lot of potential in terms of the type of cuisine you can offer. Uh, a lot of potential to educate people through food. Mm. Um, I mean, mainly because, I guess, I mean, Kiwis are lucky in the sense that, you know, you have this huge you live in a huge country you have no reason to leave the country because everywhere is beautiful everywhere I mean you are self-sufficient yeah and you are so far down there nobody even knows that you're there sometimes mm. you're off the map yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, coming from a country that is so tiny and in the middle of everything you're exposed to everything good and bad yeah so you so I mean me being here I feel that um, I can take the good that I have learned, yep. bring it here. I mean, the best practices and bring it here. Yep. I mean, that's what I have to offer. So, um, I mean, to one of your questions, you asked like, oh, was it difficult to to, to educate Kiwis on you know, like Singapore food here? I mean, I don't think it's difficult. I mean, I was watching this episode, uh, Someone Fit Phil, uh, recently, this episode where he went to Korea, Seoul. So he he ended the episode with quite a poignant point of view which I agree it's like you know, people are always very very ready to share their culture with you it's a matter of you being open and you're asking them yeah. about it yeah, yeah. so I, I think there needs to be a both both side thing I mean if like, somebody comes up to me and says hey tell me more about, tell me more about Singapore food I'll be more than happy to share that you know mm. so I uh, yeah I mean it's a two way street um uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So your business is called Super Shiok Eats. Now, yes. what, what does what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so shiok is actually a very street like colloquial term. Uh, the origins are known, but maybe more of like a mix of Malay and your dialects. But it's actually I wouldn't say it's even a word. It's like more like a sound. Okay. Like you know when someone eats a delicious plate of food, you go wow, damn shiok. Okay. You know, so it's like off, awesome, wonderful, oh my god, amazing, haven't had this before. I mean, it, it can also apply to non food situations. Like, mm-hmm. if you go for a massage, it's like, wow, auntie, damn shook. You press my shoulder like that, you know? Oh, okay. So okay. it's like a feeling. That feeling, yeah. yeah. So I, I chose that word because it's a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about, I mean, and after picking the name, um, you know, I was thinking of a tagline, right? You know, my friends are like, you know, suggesting, oh, authentic. Like, uh, the word authentic appeared a lot in the suggestions by my friends. So I'm like, uh, to me, calling something authentic is like calling, uh, calling food authentic is like calling like your, your Hermes or your Jaguar a luxury. I mean, we know it's a luxury. Yeah. Right? So, but I chose the word real. So my tagline is kind of, um, Evolution, evolutionizing still, but for now it's home of the real Singapore food. So I mean, realness is a bit more intangible, yeah. and it's a bit, 
I don't know, it sounds less pretentious. Yeah. And, and it could also mean like real as in it's right in front of you and not the whole authenticity you're talking yeah. about. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously with Super Show, it's a nice alliteration, you know, and, and, it's, and it's like Super Show, and it's also like, you know, Singapore starts with S, and I also do. <laughs> so at this point, I think I need to interrupt and tell people, so you worked in communications yeah. before, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is why all this kind of shit goes through your head. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's a nice alliteration, yeah, yeah. and Singapore starts from S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying this because I work in marketing as well, yeah. so I think like that as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, it's just catchy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, you cannot just put Super Show, because like I said, Shook, it can be like a massage, right? So I, I or some kind of good feeling. So I have to put the word eats, mm. so people know that it's food. Yeah, I mean, even my logo is like there is like a sort of like the Singapore flag embodiment in the bowl at the mm. end, at the bottom of the two chopsticks. So, yeah, again, evolutionizing, mm. <laughs> but. Uh, that that's where it cool. is. Yeah. And and so how does your business model work? So for now when you mm. started, do you have like a menu that changes every week or you have a set menu? Mm. How does it work? Okay. Um so I mean initially when I thought of like how am I gonna start this, you know, the first type of food that I felt was widely received was Nasi Lama. Yeah. Um and as you correctly pointed out, over here you see a lot of uh, Singapore slash Malaysian restaurants. So even if you, there is a Singapore slash, you will find that the nasi lemak is the Malaysian version, hmm. which is the one served with hard boiled egg. In Singapore, we serve ours with either omelette or sunny side up. So I mean, everybody loves nasi lemak. It's like a I don't know all day meal. Like that, is, I felt like that was a good starting point. Like uh, um. Um, to to introduce people to me, uh, I mean even if it means educating them by you know trying to differentiate like oh by the way Singapore nasi lemak is served with sunny side up, whereas Malaysian nasi lemak is served people will be like oh I see you know mm. I mean that's a good start, so um, that was that is our like signature dish which still is now I mean at the back of uh, our Facebook page we still offer that, but um, but then I realized hey. Um, it is also after I've built my like critical mass in terms of following and then also um, you know having talked to more people they, they give me suggestions I did, hey how about you do this do that and I'm like yeah you know why not um, and the fact that there are so many types of food that you can cook but obviously the stuff that I cook um, is not only something that people would like to see me cook but it also has to do with like what I love to eat growing up mm. because you know that is like the food memory that stays with you in terms of quote unquote authenticity the taste I mean you know it best right so um, um, so every week like on Sundays I, or weekends I will crack my brains like okay what am I going to do next week and I will do like things I feel I cannot find here so I have I think um sold like the first bachomi in Auckland or New Zealand so bachomi is actually means meat noodles okay. uh, on egg noodles so it's eaten dry and uh, it's just like a humble bowl of a melange of ingredients which you can like finish in like 10 minutes but it takes ages to make because there's so many components you have to prepare mm. so I think that is in a way oh, like a bit of like a metaphor for Singapore as well it's yeah like, it's just like 
a whole yeah, bunch, of, bunch stuff, of stuff and you yeah. mix together it just tastes awesome yeah. for some reason yeah so um, yeah so I mean I try like you said maybe my background in communications helped me think of things mm. in this manner uh, I mean it's always about like you said not it's not about the correct or right answer who does it better but what's the story behind it yep. yeah people are very interested to know what's the story behind it mm. so I think that is my approach like when I think of a dish I also think about what is the story I can tell? Whether it's a personal story, a national story, or whatever, there is a story behind it. Yeah. Mm. So, some of my customers like, hey, why is your post so long? Like, so long-winded. Why, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I mean, the fun of it is, I cannot assume everybody knows about my food. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I cannot be so arrogant to think that, Yeah. you know, I mean, sorry, but even till now, some people think Singapore is in China. Yeah. So I cannot assume that people know <laughs> about my food. So I think that like that Facebook and Instagram platform is great for me to um, share a little mm. bit about the story behind. I mean as accurately as I can. Um, yeah. So that that okay. that, that would be my uh, approach for now. Yeah. I mean, I have spent the last couple of weeks during the holidays thinking about new stuff that I can do in 2021. So watch my space. Cool. Some exciting um, stuff. And how did you, when you started, how did you get the word out? Like you were talking about, you know, mm. you have the joint that, I mean, the Singaporeans in New Zealand, yeah. that's only got like 200 people. But yeah. how did you get the word out? So funnily, I mean, I have to set the record straight. I am the kind of person who, as much as I can, I do not want to burden my friends with like, hey, can you order from me? Hey, yeah. can you help me spread the word? Like, that's just mm, not how I operate. So, I mean, even, even when I was joining the Singapore Living in, Singaporeans Living in New Zealand's group, you know, it's really, to be honest, to make friends. You know? yeah, I never course. plugged Super Show mm. X or whatsoever. Until later on, someone, without knowing that it's me, ordered from me. And from then on, like, he, you know, shared with the group so I, that was how it grew a bit bigger but prior to that you know I had to do you know, Facebook advertising initially like I did promotion so I sold my first batch of nasi lemak really quite cheaply mm. because I think at the end of the day it is also an opportunity to um, let people try my food without the price barrier being too high yeah, yeah. Uh, and offered convenience like delivery um, like or, or even pick up anytime so I try to keep um the, the obstacles as low as possible for my customers so I think that helped but I think eventually what really grew the page and the following was you know really introducing food that no one has found here and like you correctly pointed out I started in COVID so that means people can't travel home yeah. to eat what they like to eat that they can't find here um, but I could make Yeah. so that was when like it just yeah it just it just took off like you know your chui kueh. I mean yes like for example chui kueh, you can find it in some shops but it's all pre-made and frozen and everything but mm. I make them fresh so yeah I mean, and that makes a huge difference yeah, yeah yeah it's the differentiation like you know I mean people will say oh but how come your chui kueh is a bit more expensive than the frozen one and I'm like dude I handmade this like hundreds of them already handmade yeah. fresh you know yeah. I don't have a machine or you know mm. whatever contraption I have at home so I mean the price is in part factoring in my labour of love yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so I mean this is the kind of thing I'm trying to uh, get people to respect I think Singaporeans in particular price is they are very sensitive to price because they still remember back home like yeah. I can get this for $2 why yeah. are you selling this for yeah. 
But I mean, but that, that's also part of our role, right? Like, I feel like as people who represent our food, we need yeah. to show the value Correct. in the food. Correct. Um, I mean, yes, our parents did it or our ancestors did it for $2, $3. Their intention was different. Their yes. intention was to make a living. Yeah. Our intention is to share our cuisine. And if you can go to a restaurant and pay $35 for a piece of steak, which has salt and pepper, um, why can't you pay, you know, for something like that? Like, exactly. just because you perceive it to be cheaper. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of backlash uh, a couple of years ago when young people in Singapore were complaining, like, this soccer store was, like, increasing the price by 50 cents, and then the older oh, the older Singaporeans would be like, oh, so you're willing to pay $8 for a venti latte, <laughs> but <laughs> you don't want to pay four fifty for your chicken rice? Yeah, You get what exactly. I mean? So, I mean, yeah, the value is in, like, the, 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 the love, the effort, you know, the thought that goes into it, which... Uh, we we have done a huge injustice to that generation of hawkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I hope uh, if Singaporeans, you guys are listening to this, please appreciate your hawker food because over here it's like for the same type of food you have to pay like four times the price. I know. So please don't <laughs> complain. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll make sure Singaporeans are listening because my dad edits these episodes uh, and he lives in yes. Singapore. So. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I mean, no. uh, obviously, I'm not. I, I mean, there were so many stalwarts uh, recently who helped lobby for Singapore being on the UNESCO yeah, heritage list. Yeah, they have done amazing work. So, um, yeah, and like like this guy KFC to he like super super pro hawker, which yeah. which I mean, okay, so I mean between us and the listeners <laughs> obviously when Singapore won was placed on that list a lot of Malaysians were not happy I mean it's, it's really not I mean obviously if we are happy to share the award but unfortunately you know with this kind of UNESCO thing you have to do the paperwork yeah. which Singaporeans are damn good at <laughs> we are damn good at filing paperwork you know like putting in applications oh supporting documents sure I have like reams of paper to support so I mean so applying is... for your food license would have been really easy for you because it requires so many records exactly yeah I mean this, we are like born to do this you know yes we all have the hawker thing in common between us and Malaysians but hey mm. if you if you bother mm. to do the paperwork which took years to do it we're happy to share the award, you know. Yeah. So I mean, so that's the thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, it's it's kind of like ideas, right? Ideas are just ideas until you do it. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, what are your what are your plans for the future? So right now, people can get your food. Um, you basically have like a special pretty much every day that you have a special. Yeah, pretty much um, every other day. Every yeah. other day. Yeah. Um, and then weekends, yes. obviously, you have that. Um, and so what's how can What's the best way for people to find out or when do they reach out to you? And right. also, do you do caterings for bigger parties? Yeah. Uh, so the first part of the question, like, you know, for now, uh, you know, we are relying a lot on social media to put our food out there. So, I mean, on top of the weekly menus, obviously, if anyone has requests and if it's doable, of course, we can do it with uh, notice given. Um, and with regards to catering, funnily enough, you should ask, I, I just finished a catering for Christmas events for 250 people. Whoa, and you made that all by yourself? <laughs> it's a secret, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> With two kids at home. Yes. So, I mean, um, when when the customer first ordered from me a month prior, he was like, 
okay, um, just, 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 just so I'm like feel assured about this, uh, you are going to get help, right? It's not just going to be you. So obviously, I I played, you know, with his reaction. He yeah. obviously wanted the kind of answer that he wanted. Says, yeah, you know, don't worry. I will have like friends coming to help me. You'll be fine. Deliver it on time. But come on. Mm. It's Christmas Day. I can't bear to ask my friends to come and help me on Christmas Day. And, you know, I can't afford to pay minimum wage times two yeah. for public holidays, <laughs> for, you know, to hire someone just to help me for a day. So that I spent like three days, three nights just preparing and yeah. leading up to the day, doing 250 portions. So, I mean, it, well, I used to be a school athlete, so I know a little thing about pushing your boundaries pushing yeah, yeah. <laughs> pushing through like okay Adelina it's just two kilometers more just do it yeah. one kilometer more just do it yeah. 500 meters more <laughs> just do it so just do it I mean that was you know just yeah. how I was brought up yeah so yeah 250 I think that is the max I've had I don't know maybe I could do 500 I don't know but yeah. we'll see you're Singaporean yeah. you can handle it yeah <laughs> We'll put an exam at the end yeah, yeah. and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we are work horses, right? But anyway, yeah, it was really fun and very humbling. Yeah. Um, a lot of learnings and then I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And yeah, I mean, the customers say that everyone was happy. So that's, that's all cool. I could ask for. And so what are your plans for future? Obviously, you've spoken about your food truck, yeah. um, what you're saving up for, and mm. we hope that that will be out on the street soon. Mm. But what's your plans for 2021? Um, I th- there the the I have been experimenting quite a bit in the kitchen. Um, I because uh because of the overwhelming um demand for some of my food, I realized that you know I can't courier. I mean, this is outside of Auckland, by the way. Like in Nelson, people in Nelson are asking like, like I obviously can't courier out my nasi lemak or noodles, right? So I'm thinking of ways. I don't know, maybe meal kits mm. or like sauces, condiments they can like, re- replicate. Uh, for themselves at home so yep. that is kind of like my way forward um, thinking about that um, I'm hoping to actually connect more with people on face to face basis so um, I'm thinking maybe 2021 might be a year of you know me going out into markets and have, having stalls here and there because mm. um, I feel that you know, as much as um, you know the Singaporean and Malaysian community has been very supportive of me uh, I feel that you know I need to go beyond that I can't keep relying on this group of mm. people I need to you know, really get to the Kiwis you know the, the yep. locals, locals I mean um, yeah so that's in general my goal for 2021 cool yeah. alright well um <laughs> And for me, for my special request, mm. I want Singapore chili crab, but without me having to like peel the whole crab. So if you can <laughs> peel the whole thing and send it, okay. Then I'll <laughs> okay, duly noted. Duly noted. I'll no, pencil I'm... that in. <laughs> no, all right. So just before you head off, yeah. um, I want to do my favorite part of the show, which is called Fast Food Five. So okay. that's five fast questions about food. So are you ready? Okay. Mm. okay. Wait, by fast, I mean I have to respond. Fast. You have to respond okay. fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ready. Okay, so one favorite thing to eat in Singapore? Uh, okay, it's not to eat, it's to drink. Sugar cane juice. Oh, yes. The tower. The, the 10 liter tower at Chom Chom Market. <laughs> That's what I did the moment I went back last year. But uncle, the, there were three of us, my, me and my friends. We, and I, I told uncle, uncle, the biggest one. And he looked at us. Three ladies, ah. Uh, yeah, better don't, uh, Take the medium one enough. Wait. <laughs> 
luckily we follow his advice so yeah <laughs> sugar cane juice oh my god I missed it I missed that and all my tropical fruits at a cheap price yeah I saw recently like um, Pack and Safe was uh, selling lychees for 40 kilograms I mean $40 per kilo I mean I nearly flipped I know. Like, I can officially say I cannot afford chi- uh, like cheese in my entire life. But that's like I went to the Asian shop to get mangoes and yeah. it was like $7 for a mango and I'm just like, I can't pay that. I'll just, no. I'll just have avocado instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just eat the strawberries will do for now. <laughs> um, okay, and on your menu, what is the favourite thing for you to cook? Bach on me, to be honest, because okay. I really enjoy it. Mm. I love it. I mean, it is tedious with uh, so many components that you need to prepare but after that it's like give it I mean give me another bowl okay when I'm done all right and uh, since you spoke about tropical fruits if you were a tropical fruit which one would you be (laughs) oh my gosh not fast enough um um, 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 um. Mangosteen. Mangosteen. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not the king of fruits, but it's the queen of fruits. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And um, chili crab or Hainanese chicken rice? Oh, man. Or rice with soy sauce and fried chicken? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Okay, between the two, I would have to say, because I'm a carbo person, Mm. Chicken rice. Chicken rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, last question. The one kind of Singaporean ingredient that we'll always find in your pantry, or even one Asian ingredient that we'll find in your pantry. Okay, okay Asian is definitely your soy sauce. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oyster sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these two. Yeah, oyster sauces. Yeah, I like oyster sauces. Yeah. It's quite it's different. Versatile, like any Chinese dish, anytime, anything, believe it or not. Like, it's, you look at the ingredients list, it's just oyster sauce, sugar, pepper, salt, soy sauce. Yeah. But for some reason, all dishes turn out different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> magical, but anyway. Yeah. So I, I think a couple of years ago, discovered fish sauce. I mean, I always oh, always yes. knew that it existed, yeah. but kind of figured out how you can use it in different things. And it just like brings that oomph to a dish which you can't get with anything else it is um, yeah, try, try cooking your spaghetti with fish sauce it's oh. really good ooh okay <laughs> fish sauce oyster sauce soy sauce okay yeah stir fry I'm telling you and a bit of butter and fried garlic oh yeah, yeah. well like Uncle Roger say you can never have enough garlic <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Edlina, for coming on the show. I had such a good time talking about all things Singapore. I'm just really hungry now. So (laughs) I'm going to tune out, have my lunch that Edlina has brought me. (laughs) Pleasure, pleasure. It's like a media drop, sort of. (laughs) All right. Thank Thank you, you guys. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.